is here if you're in the sanctuary, and I'm glad you're joining us online. Let us know if you're worshiping with us today by saying something in the comments. Wave, say hello, say, I don't know, War Eagle or something like that if you want to, or Roll Tide or, you know, whatever. Yeah, we're glad that you're here. Oh, I just got, I got it stirred up, Pastor Andy. I'm getting them stirred up for you. Uh, Pastor Andy is going to be bringing the message today. I'm excited about that. Got a couple of announcements to, to tell you about this coming Wednesday. It's going to be so much fun. 5.30 to 7.30 this coming Wednesday on the 24th. The children and youth are going to be having a paint party up in the gym. And not only that, they're going to have a food truck. The, the dog house is going to be here with all the fancy hot dogs and everything. You don't want to miss that. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. Um, on the altar today, this beautiful rose, look, we're having a baby boom here, so don't come anywhere near here unless you want to, I don't know, have a baby or something. But this is for uh, Allie Perkins in our ELC, our Early Learning Center. So um, congratulations to her new par her parents and welcome to the world, little Allie. So next Sunday is going to be Palm Sunday. We've been waiting for this for a long time. It's so exciting. We're going to have one combined service at 10 o'clock in the amphitheater downtown. And, uh, you know, we got a backup plan because you never know what the weather's going to do in the springtime in Alabama. If it rains, we're going to keep an eye on the weather. If it rains, we're going to be right in here. But we're still going to do one service at 10 o'clock. So in here's our backup plan. Our number one choice is to be outside uh, at the amphitheater with our donkeys and our palms. And anyway, we're going to have a lot of fun either way. It's time to order your Easter lilies for Easter Sunday. Uh, contact Susan at the church office and order those Easter lilies in honor of somebody or in memory of somebody. And our, our Easter service is going to be beautiful. Um, before the Easter service, the Saturday before Easter is going to be our Easter egg hunt. It's going to be from 10 to 12 at the Casey's Farm. And if you are a kid that wants to participate in this Easter egg hunt, see Miss Catherine because she's got these really cool eggs you can color. And it's got a little scanner thing on the back. Of, I, I don't know. It's, it's really, really cool. So make sure you get one of these kiddos or parents get one for your kids. Next Sunday, when we have our combined service, we're going to show love to the Love Center. Um, we've shown love to a bunch of people in our community and a bunch of organizations in our community and to Cap Sumatonga and all. This time, it's going to be the Love Center. To tell us more about the Love Center, we've asked Nancy Smith to come and share with us. Tell us more about the Love Center, Nancy. spoke to me after I spoke to uh, Ruth 
Adcock, our director, <coughs> and said, Nancy, you've got time, help them. And so we did, with a lot of, a lot of help from the Lord and some wonderful people. Have you ever been really hungry? I have not say I'm hungry with my stomach growling, but I know some people at the Love Center who can tell you how it feels. The Love Center is a shelter founded by Charles C. Terrence back in the 80s. It's almost 40 years old. It's located right now on South 12th Street. The house itself has lots of history. <laughs> it has been a, a home for boys that had run away from home. It's been a place where they just rented rooms. And now it houses 30 to a capacity of 30 clients. Uh, clients there live for, for six months. They're given three meals a day and <clears throat> a bed and some space. Most of all, they're given lots of TLC, and we know that stands for the Love Center, but our director and the staff really do give them that big hug that some of them have missed, and lots of love and lots of prayers. The staff gets them to the Etowah Clinic, and thank you, because we, our church supports that too, and it has really made a difference to get them well or to get them on some medication they need. Uh, they staff gets them to Job Corps, and Job Corps is wonderful, and our merchants are wonderful. A lot of them have taken a chance with these people who've made some bad choices. Some of them, just like we all have, but they've given a chance, and it's paid off, not 100% of the time. Our really goal is to place them after we get them well, love them, feed them, get them warm, get them well, then we hope to get them a job, and then the ultimate goal for them is to get them into their own independent space. The monthly budget is about $6,000. I don't see how they do it, but they make it every month. Uh, we, that money comes mostly from donations from churches like ours. Individuals give to it. Merchants have been wonderful to us. We have gotten some grants. and. <clears throat> we have had fundraisers. The food bank is a monthly source of canned for canned foods. In 2019, for instance, now last year the numbers were off because once the uh, pandemic got everything closed, we didn't let people in and out for quite a little while. But in 2019, we served 306 individuals, 28,044 meals. Recently, <laughs> some community grant money came from our legislators, and it enabled the staff to finally redo the kitchen. And they are so proud of their new kitchen. So our missions committee chose March to highlight this with a kitchen shower. And that'll give you an opportunity next week or any time in between, you can drop on yourself. But we, anything for the kitchen, their main needs are just like you have in the kitchen we have finally a dishwasher we've never had a dishwasher we have a dishwasher uh, we, we need dishwashing pods uh, paper towel uh, hand detergent they like that and they love um, I'm gonna have to put in a plug but they where is it Dawn they love Dawn it, it just does it, it, it helps them with their clothes too so you can bring any of those things plus anything that you like in the kitchen, but those are their main needs. 
Thanks, Gadsden First United Methodist Church. You all here through your tithes and offerings help support it monthly. And I worked there one summer for three months, and I can tell you that that steady check coming in monthly is greatly needed and greatly appreciated. Uh, our Gene Holtzford Circle does a meal for them four times a year. Our ultimate hope for clients is to get them in their own space and place. And I will tell you this really quickly. This week is the dream come true for three. They're a family, Angel, Patty, and Mark. They finally have saved enough money since we don't charge rent. They can save once they get a job. And this little packet that you all probably get if you're like me, you probably saw most of you don't pick up food as much as I do, but with one person I do. But these were made by, in a towel, Max Packaging. And Patty works there. She makes good money. Mark finally, with the help of a lawyer here, got on disability. He has extremely bad seizures and wants to work but cannot. So they have found their own apartment. They're moving, it's a house, and they're so thrilled. They have never had a house, and so they're coming in this week. But uh, we're thankful that that took a lot of effort on a lot of people's part, but mostly theirs. And I remember as I close from Matthew 25, I, for I was hungry, and you gave me rest. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. Thank you for your help. Thank you for what you bring. And thank you for your continued support of all of the activities in our community, especially the Love Center.
Good morning, everyone. There's so many awesome things going on at the church right now. So we have a video uh, that you're going to love, and you'll recognize some of these great people. But this is when we were showing love to Camp Sumatanga last week. And here's a video if you want to look up at the screens. That was such a fun day of working, but more than the work we did at Sumatanga, I think everybody was so happy just to be in a group and with each other hanging out again. It was awesome because people at Gadsden First Methodist Church, we like each other. We like to see each other. So uh, it was awesome. But uh, this is the time of the service uh, for tithes and offerings. And uh, just want to let you know there's so many awesome things and awesome ministries going on here at the church, and we couldn't do it without your support. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we are so thankful for the great ministries through the church. We thank you for um, the ministry of Ladle of Love and the Clothes Closet, uh, Caring Angels, and all the ministries, United Methodist Women, all the great things that go on here, God. We thank you for that. Right now, we pray that you will bless every tithe and offering that is given. We pray that they will be used for your kingdom and for your glory. We also lift up all those right now who are battling illness. Um, pray for our doctors and our nurses, God. We lift up all of this, those situations. We lift up all the unspoken requests that people have here in this service. We don't know what they are, God, but you know their hearts. We lift up those requests as well. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
the praise band at Celebration is awesome, aren't they? They're pretty awesome. So I hear that the praise band from Celebration is going to be playing at the amphitheater next Sunday at 10 o'clock. Is that right? So you don't want to miss it. And that's a great opportunity to invite friends to our Palm Sunday worship. Uh, Some of your friends who aren't super comfortable being out in groups right now, I bet they'll feel comfortable being at the amphitheater outside. And uh, Pastor Sam, it just can't rain. All right. So it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And it's a miracle um, that Carmen is back there in the sound booth today and that I'm here. But the youth, went, uh, the youth went hiking yesterday at Cherokee Rock Village. And some of the hiking, extreme hiking that the grown-ups did, I just commend all of us. It was a great day of fun. But we hope you will join us next Sunday. It's going to be great. Today we are talking about a scripture from the book of Jeremiah. So before we jump into that, we're going to talk about who Jeremiah was. And I know when I say, who was Jeremiah? I know some people are in here thinking, a bullfrog. That's not the answer. Jeremiah was a prophet in the Old Testament. Um, He was actually referred to as the weeping prophet. So we know he's an Old Testament prophet. He was sent to give warnings to the people of Israel. Israel. Uh, The Israelites have recently lost some battles. They've been invaded. And now they're going to go back into exile. Um, So Jeremiah is warning them to stop their pagan worship that they're doing. Um, Also, as the other uh, prophets have warned them about, the treatment of others, taking care of the poor. Jeremiah is warning them to do these things. Um, Now, we think of Jeremiah and we think, wow, he's a prophet. Really courageous, awesome person for bringing God's message to people. But I wonder what the people of that day thought of Jeremiah. I bet they thought he was a little annoying. Always talking doom and gloom. Always bringing these messages of your life together. Um, Always giving warnings of bad news and attacks. So all of this, this scripture we're going to read, it takes place 600 years before Jesus is born. Things are chaotic. There's political turmoil. Um... And we have the prophet Jeremiah. Here he is giving warnings and telling people what's coming and telling them to change their ways. Um, So in this time, during this message, during this mess, we have this message from Jeremiah. And it's a message of hope. And I need a message of hope today. It's been a tough year, so we could all use some hope. Um, And here it is. This is Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. And here is the hope that he gives the people of Israel at that time. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. It won't be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant with me, even though I was their husband, declares the Lord. No, this is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my instructions within them and engrave them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. They will no longer need to teach each other to say, know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wrongdoings and never again remember their sins. That is an awesome passage of scripture. I absolutely love it. Um... So here's a question that you probably never thought you'd be asked at celebration worship on a Sunday morning, but here's my question. And you don't have to raise your hand. You can just think about it, all right? But do you have a tattoo? <laughs> Does anybody have a tattoo is the question. You don't, again, you don't have to raise your hand. Um, 
And, and I, again, I, I'm sure you never thought you would be asked that question in church, but do you have a tattoo? If you do, I bet your tattoo has a story to it. It has a deep meaning. There's a reason why you got it. And if you don't have one, you know somebody who has a tattoo, and they can tell you a whole deep meaning and story behind their tattoo. And because I'm talking about tattoos, Sam is going to be at the fifth and chestnut door at the end of service giving tattoos. Is that right? Actually, because of social distancing, we're not allowed to do that today. But otherwise, what might have happened, right? Um, So maybe you don't have a tattoo, but maybe you have a piece of jewelry. Maybe Benny McNair, our organist, made it for you. Maybe you have a piece of jewelry with something engraved on it. If somebody has something engraved, it means something like deep. When I was between the ages of 18 to 25, I'm 42 now, so I've aged a lot since then. Between 18 and 25, everybody I knew was getting a tattoo, and I mean everybody. Um, And sometimes they would get a favorite band on their shoulder maybe, uh, or maybe a quote. Some people got Bible verses uh, as a tattoo. Um, This was a mistake, but between the ages of 18 to 25, I knew a lot of people that would get tattoos with a name of something they were dating. I do not recommend that when you're young. If you're a college student watching this, don't get a tattoo of somebody you're dating, um, and also don't use your stimulus money on a tattoo. Is that right, Pastor Sam? Those are good, uh, good wisdom. But sometimes they can go terribly wrong. Uh, the reason why I never got one, even though I wanted one during that, that uh, age range, I was nervous. I thought, am I still going to like the same thing 10 years from now? It's permanent, right? A tattoo is permanent. Um, I even thought, what if I gain a lot of weight? Is my tattoo of Incredible Hulk going to look like Shrek or something? You just don't know when you get a tattoo. Um, so when this, when this um, scripture talks about God engraving on our hearts, that's why I talked about tattoos. It, to me, that's a tattoo. It's permanent, an engravement that God was talking about. Um, God is speaking this through the prophet. I will engrave my instructions on their hearts. I don't know about you, but I need God's instructions permanently engraved on my heart. Um, I went to a small, really strict Christian school growing up, and they would have us memorize. I know we sometimes might memorize John 3.16. No, they would have us memorize John chapter 1, John chapter 2, John chapter 3, memorize it as a whole thing. Um, But I'll tell you, it was all up here. It was all up here. It wasn't engraved in my heart. It was just in my head. Here in the South, we all know lots of scriptures, right? We have it in our head. Um, We heard lots of faith stories in the South. We sometimes even have scriptures written on our mugs and our t-shirts. But how awesome would it be for it to be so deep and personal that God moved some of that from an engravement in our minds to like a deep engravement, a permanent tattoo in our hearts of God's instructions. I need it. The people who first heard this message, these are people um, who, who have gone from following the right way to now they're doing some things that are wrong. They're doing pagan rituals, which oftentimes uh, involve mistreatment of others, taking advantage of people, um, And these people also were really good at complaining. Um, These people, they knew stories of their ancestors. 
They knew about Moses. They knew about God delivering them from slavery. They knew about God providing manna for them to eat. They knew stories about God parting the Red Sea so they could cross over. They knew that God had provided for their ancestors. But in so many ways, they've chosen now to walk a different path. But God reminded them in this scripture, God reminds them of the covenant they had at one time, which was the Ten Commandments, is the covenant that God is referring to in the book of Jeremiah. And I would say the Ten Commandments can be broken into two categories, our relationship with God and then our relationship with other people. So when, in Jeremiah, when it says God is making a new covenant where he will engrave the instructions on their heart, I would say these instructions could be summed up this simple. Love God and love your neighbors. All of them, even the ones that weird us out, right? All of our neighbors God wants us to love. Um, I need that permanently engraved on my heart, not just in my head. Some translations of this scripture say, God will write it on their hearts and their minds. I need it both places. I need it permanent. I need to walk in that every single day when I wake up. I need to walk as it's engraved on my heart to love God and love my neighbors. What would it look like for us at Gadsden First Methodist Church if we lived like people that had a tattoo on our heart from God that was permanent, it was deep within us to love God and to love our neighbors? What would that look like? Even if we love those people that seem unlovable, those people that drive us crazy, if we loved even them, how awesome would that be? What about our friends and neighbors? We all have friends, we all have relatives that think we're crazy for going to church and being as involved in faith as we are, right? Does everybody have some of those? Uh, Maybe some of them have had a bad experience with Christians or church at some point in their lives. How how would it impact their lives if they saw us living as people who had a permanent engravement from God to love God and love our neighbors? It would impact their lives. I also want to point out in this passage, the people in this story um, that Jeremiah is talking to, it's a people that have continually failed to obey God. They continually turn and keep going the wrong way. But God keeps sending prophet after prophet to them. I remember Amos crying for justice for the poor, stop the abuse of others, stop pagan worship. Um, Because there was even human sacrifice and strange things going on. Stop the complaining. Stop not trusting God. Turn around, repent, kept being the message. But God kept sending more and more prophets to the people. God did not give up on the Israelites. And God doesn't give up on us either, right? God continually provided people to give instructions and guidance when they disobey. Keep offering new hope and new life. So here in this passage in Jeremiah, a time when they're going into exile, God says a time is coming where it's going to be permanently engraved on your hearts to love God and love your neighbor. And God isn't finished with us as a group of people here in Alabama either. Because God sent us Jesus. No matter how deep our mistakes go, no matter how many mess-ups we've had this week, 
Um, God is still providing new life, new hope. And this message wasn't just for people 600 years before the birth of Jesus. It's for a group of people in Alabama, a group of people who've been through a pandemic that had a tough year. God wants to engrave on our hearts to love God and to love our neighbors. God also reminds the people in this passage, God says, uh, I will forgive your wrongdoings and never again remember your sins. And I'm reminded of Psalm 51 and that, and this is our prayer today. Psalm 51 says this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned, and I have done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner with my mo- within my mother. You desire truth in my inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with the high sup, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. This is my favorite part of that passage. It says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new right spirit within me. So when God talks about forgiveness in the book of Jeremiah, that is for us too. Forgiveness, restoration, an engravement on our hearts. God in this passage reminded people of that old covenant, right? And God, even in that passage, is referred to as a spouse. And the people have broken that covenant. But then they're reminded that they are a people belonging to God. I don't know about you. I've broken all kinds of rules and covenants. But God still says this to me. God calls me one of his people, right? I'm a child of God. And so are you. Forgiveness, belonging, and a cool engravement on our hearts. So here, I'm going to close with this. If you came up to me today after church, we did a little bit of talk about tattoos. I know, I know. Um, So if you came up to me after church and said, I really think I want to get a tattoo, maybe a Bible verse, and you asked me which one, here's what I would tell you to get from Jeremiah 31. I will put my instructions within them and engrave them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Or you could also just write that on your refrigerator as a reminder instead of getting a tattoo. (laughs) Um, Let's pray. Loving God, I pray that all of us will embrace the forgiveness that you offer to us. We are thankful for forgiveness. We are thankful that we are called children of God despite our mistakes. We pray that we will have more than just head knowledge of scriptures or stories of faith, but God, that it will be deep and personal, that it will be so real and engraved in our hearts to love you and to love all of your children, all of them, even the ones that we disagree with, those ones that are hard to love. Help us to love you and all people. Engrave it upon us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
great the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain I could not climb in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night and through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my living Lord who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace throughout of ages step down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross is spoken I am forgiven the king of calls me his beautiful Savior I'm yours forever Jesus Christ my living Lord. hallelujah praise the
So as we leave here today, let's live like people that have a permanent engraving on our hearts to love God and to love all people. Go in peace.